Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, it's always a good day when the Broncos win, but we would be remiss if we didn't start this podcast off by giving an acknowledgement to Floyd Little, who is shifted to hospice, as was announced by uh, Syracuse, on Saturday night and it's just it, it's kind of bittersweet that the Broncos win but we also get that news of, of Floyd Little who has been dealing with a rare form of cancer that was announced in May yeah it's uh it's cancer sucks uh f cancer all of those things but also just you know from from the Broncos country perspective of it and we've talked about this Floyd Little, the franchise, right? He was the reason that Denver remained in Denver and it wasn't, you know, the, the Broncos of some other city. So uh, it is, you know, with a, with a heavy heart as a fan, right? As a, as a fan of this franchise, you realize that, you know, we're, you're going to lose people, right? I mean, 2020 has been rough. We've lost some really good people. Floyd Little has been one of those guys that I think anytime you hear somebody talk about Floyd Little, they talk about how gracious he is, how how nice he's been and how, you know, what a wonderful person he is. And I think that that is, uh, you know, something that 
you know, the world needs more of that. And so to, to lose him and eventually lose him, he's going into hospice. Although, you know, uh, you know, means that there's still a little bit of time. Um, but, but that is something that is, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult, uh, piece of news to get, uh, right before you start watching a football game. Uh, but it is a nice reminder, I think as well, that, uh, you know, it's, it's fragile, right? This, this, uh, life we live and it's in its short term, right? It's, we're not here forever. And so the, the best thing you can do is make the most of every moment that you have. And I, I know that Floyd Little did that on the football field for sure. And I'm sure he did that. Uh, and everything else that he did in his life. It's why he's a Hall of Famer. It's why he's uh, one of the greatest Broncos of all time. And it's it's why he will be missed. And so, uh, you know, this isn't a eulogy and it isn't an obituary, but it is an opportunity for us to just acknowledge uh, who he who he is and, and what he means to, to the Denver Broncos and Broncos country. And I think the way Vic Fangio handled it after the game, those listening know the Broncos beat the Dolphins 20 to 13. Vic Fangio did... Uh, what I thought was uh, very well done by giving the game ball to Floyd Little and his family, and they're going to to send them the ball uh, from the win on Sunday. So I, I thought that was a nice way to cap off what was uh, an, an unexpected win, at least for us and just about everybody. Um, even Tim Lynch predicted a Broncos win, but I don't think he he didn't believe that. It. <laughs> that was the- so. It, it it was it was a good way to cap off uh, a good win because anytime the Broncos can win and Broncos country gets that winning feeling, it's a good day. Absolutely, you know it's uh, as we're sitting here talking about it. You gave me the task of of uh, winners and losers this week, uh, and I, I was a little remiss. And now that I sit here and I think about it, and we have this conversation, I should have given I should have given, uh, given Floyd Little a, a spot in the winners section uh, just as a. Uh, as a you know sort of to commemorate him and and sort of give it some acknowledgement to him and I, I didn't do that but uh he's definitely he's definitely there he is one of the winners this week for sure uh and and that that's kind of where we're at and it and I think it is one of those things where it was nice to get the win and, and we talked about this and I, I guess we'll do, what we'll do is we'll just kind of move on here right because we talked about this uh before we started recording they won yay I mean, we're excited about the the win, right? We we want them to win games, but we also, I think, at this point in the season, uh, four and six. I saw I was watching Red Zone at one point uh, after the game. We flipped on Red Zone, and I and it said that they were in the playoff hunt. I, <laughs> I mean, I saw that. And my my son goes, "Are they really in the playoff hunt?" <laughs> He's like, "They're just the second to last team in that." And I was like, "Yeah, that's they're not really in the playoff hunt, but it's nice." It's nice to see that they're there, and hey, maybe we're wrong. Maybe this was a catalyst. Maybe this was a moment. Maybe the beatdown against the Raiders is the thing that they needed to sort of shift them into uh, being able to be a better football team. And and they did look like a much better football team against the Dolphins uh, on Sunday. The thing that kind of stands out to me about it is how they won. It's the fact that they stuck with running game. Pat Shermer didn't go away from it because it seems like over the course of the season, whenever they do something well, Pat Shermer decides that he's going to do a complete 180 and stop doing it. So kudos to Pat Shermer. You included him in your winners and losers, which I thought uh, was a nice gesture because he gets a lot of flack. 
Um, he earns. So a, I think that, he earns a lot of flack just to kind totally. Of <laughs> he, he absolutely, especially this season. But the fact that he he put a game plan together, called a good game, and stuck with it, stuck with the rushing game, and getting Philip Lindsay on the field is, I, I think, the way the Broncos are going to win. That's how you win with a young quarterback. You don't put the onus on him. You don't make him throw fifty times and expect him to to somehow turn into Peyton Manning when he's playing his eighth or ninth game. So I like the way that the, the offense played, but I also like the fact that they didn't let the mistakes derail them, which is what usually happens with this team. The Broncos lost the turnover battle. Yes, they did. They turned it over twice. The Dolphins only turned it over once. That's not That doesn't happen very often, especially with this Broncos team. If they lose the turnover battle, they typically lose the game. So I, those are the two things that really stand out. And when I the, tied into all of this is the, uh, the, the, the trenches for the Broncos owned this game on Sunday. The offensive line was phenomenal. The defensive line was phenomenal. And that's even without Jarrell Casey and Shelby Harris. It's a, you make a really good point. And it's funny, I, I did mention in game balls, the amoeba, right? We heard – all week about this amoeba defense and how how much uh, Brian Flores has the the Dolphins moving around pre-snap and how confusing that is for uh, for young quarterbacks and we saw that I don't I don't think we didn't see that we saw at the very beginning of that game that that really did mess with Drew Locke and what he wanted to do and what he was seeing in front of him. And so uh, we saw it in the form of they had to take a timeout before they had to delay a game penalty. We saw it in the form of, I think, what really messed him up to the point where he threw that interception. I think that that was a, a big struggle. But what we also saw in this game was that Drew Locke and the rest of the offense, like you said, didn't allow that initial mistake to really – put that game away because you you could tell at that moment at least I, I i'm a fan you're a fan i think we all probably just went here we go right i mean that was the initial reaction and then it didn't it didn't just snowball on them they they continued to play well and even though the dolphins got the ball back or got the ball and scored pretty quickly i mean they were pretty deep in the broncos zone it didn't make them panic that's the thing that i think was really important is they did not panic and Again, I think that that also happened at the end of the game. You had those bookend turnovers at the very beginning of the game and at the very end of the game, and those bookend turnovers were were killers. That first interception was bad, and it gave them a, a touchdown. The Dolphins just sort of marched right in. And then that last one with Melvin Gordon fumbling on the goal line, I mean, that was that took what was a really good game for Melvin Gordon and turned it into a terrible, terrible game. He Melvin's going to Melvin, right? And we all know that. He has issues with ball control and, and holding on to the ball in important situations. That fumble was huge because if they hold on to the ball there and then score, the game's over. And instead, what you had to have happen was you had to have the defense come out, buckle down, make some plays, and Justin Simmons ices the game when the Dolphins really are looking like they have a chance at some Fitz magic there. So it, it really was an interesting way to watch that game with those bookend turnovers. You mentioned it. two turnovers, both of them, big moments in the game, both of them opportunities that the Broncos rose to rather than shrink from. And I liked the fact 
that Philip Lindsay was on the field. Last week, he had four carries against the Raiders. This week against the Dolphins, he had 16. And I mentioned the performance of that rushing game. So Philip Lindsay had 16 carries for 82 yards. Melvin Gordon had 15 carries for 84 yards. When you throw in Drew Locke's two rushes for 23, and there was one instance where Drew Locke kind of looked like Patrick Mahomes with the way that he picked up what was a third and long. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of Patrick Mahomes-esque with the way that he did that, or Russell Wilson. Um, So he had two rushes for 23. As a team, the Broncos finished with 33 carries for 189 yards. If you get that consistently, you'll win football games. That's that's a recipe to win, regardless of who your quarterback is, because it takes the onus off of Drew Locke. It doesn't force him to make the spectacular throws, the the Patrick Mahomes plays, because he's not there yet. He still has issues with his footwork that we saw today. He has some issues with accuracy. That's going to be an issue, but it takes the pressure off which is what you want to do when you have a young quarterback. Yeah, you make a really good point there. Again, I think we keep going back to this, but the, that is the game plan that you want to see. And I know that you're going to get people who who sort of bring up the fact that, you know, if this, if this is the only way that Drew Locke can win games, then uh, is he really cut out for the NFL, right? You'll, you'll get that, right? Oh, he's, he's really just a backup, right? So stuff like that. I think if you look at it from a different angle, if you if you change your perspective a little bit on what you actually have in front of you, I think I think it's more important to realize that what this actually does for him is it builds his confidence. It gives him the opportunity to start to really understand what it's like to be on the field and and sort sort of take on that role. But also, and then this is the thing that I think is really important here, it gives him the opportunity for success. And One of the things that I always think about when I'm thinking about young quarterbacks is I think about Joe Montana. And I think about what the San Francisco 49ers did, what Steve Walsh did with Joe Montana. Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. Thank you. Steve Walsh. Steve, what's going on? Brain's not working. Are you thinking of the the Bengals coach that the 49ers beat in two Super Bowls? Oh, Steve Weish. (laughs) It's, you know, it's all, you know, it's, it jumbles, but it'll get out eventually and it makes sense. So what they did was they they actually Bill Walsh actually kept him out of games until they got into the red zone and then let Joe Montana finish drives. Uh, that's a confidence builder. It gives you the you get down to where it's a little bit easier, a little bit more manageable, make some easy throws. I mean the 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 West Coast offense back then was so simple and Joe Montana ran it so well that it really was a situation where as a young quarterback he was able to gain confidence. That is is maybe more important for a young quarterback like Drew Locke that his confidence is high, that he understands that he has the ability to do whatever it is that he's trying to do. If that means dumbing down the playbook, which some people are, well, that's just dumbing down the playbook. Dumb it down. I'm fine with that. I, we're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. So dumb it down. Get him confident. Get him into a place in the playbook where he knows this half of the field. Now you can work on that half of the field, or he knows the sidelines and now you can work on the middle, whatever it may be, because they definitely did give him sort of a, you could tell it was, it was a shortened playbook, right? It was, it was plays on the outside. It was using, using the sidelines, not to sort of go Tom McMahon here. Right. But it was, it was understanding that 
he those outside plays are going to be better for him than trying to hit those things across the middle. And then when they did go across the middle and it worked, it really worked. And that I think is something that Pat Shermer definitely tried to do. It's part of the reason he got one of my game balls, or was a not a game ball, but it was a you know one of my winners, is because he put together a game plan that played to Drew Locke's strengths, played to the Broncos' offensive strengths, and allowed them to get a win. It was it was actually a really well coached game. It just it was nice to see. It was nice to see the coaches, especially Pat Shermer, utilize the players' strengths to their advantage today. You saw him and Drew Locke take advantage of Tim Patrick and Noah Fant and use KJ Hamler the way they did. I I mean it was just it was fun to watch Drew Locke lead a methodical offense down the field. It looked like an NFL offense. To, you mentioned it in your winners and losers. It's kind of nice to have a weapon like Noah Fant where you can dump the ball off like Drew Locke did a couple times, and, and Fant is able to pick up the yardage that he does. Um, it, it's just – it was nice to see the coaches finally utilize the players to their strengths. Yeah, and, and the other thing that that did that is also a big part of this game is that it allowed the defense – to really get into a rhythm and not a rhythm in where you're just always on the field, but you go and you, and you're not totally gassed every time you're out there. That is something that I think we saw a lot of, especially against the Raiders. Uh, and then, you know, in, in their other losses, what you see is this defense that goes out and for the first half of the game is, is really pretty good, but you can only be on the field for so long before you're going to be completely out of it. And defenses get tired faster than offenses do. That's just that's just a a truth. That's a universal truth in the NFL. And this game, the if I looked at time of possession, I mean it was almost 50-50. I think the Broncos won the time of possession by just a couple seconds, 30 uh, minutes and 2 seconds or something like that. If I I would have to go back and look at it again, but it was it was almost identical. If your defense is as good as the Broncos defense was, even with the issues that like AJ Boye had because he struggled, I felt really bad for him. I don't know what was going on with that, but even with those types of issues, they were still able to get off the field. And then the offense wasn't just three and out, 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 three and out. And, and you bring up a good point. And, and I think Noah Fant and uh, unfortunately for Albert Akboigbenam, I think that he was going to be uh, a big part of this as well. And, and he will be hopefully in 2021, but that is this sort of like you have a tight end you can rely on who will pick up a first down on third and seven, who will catch the ball and turn the corner and knock people down. I mean, he did. He had an opportunity on one where he got the first down and he could have just gone out of bounds. And what did he do? He went and he fought for more yardage. That was that was a huge moment. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that it is an, an important thing to remember that it's a young offense, it's a young team, and the defense is really good. And if they can combine sort of that, I hate to say it dumbed down, but that sort of simplified playbook for Drew Locke and allow the running game to be really, really good and let him use his his weapons and his security blankets in the way that he needs to, then the defense can really do what they did in this game against the Dolphins. And that's get after the quarterback. That's, you know, make sure that they're stopping drives when, when they start to move, bend, don't break, that kind of stuff. And that'll turn into games or turn into wins. I mean, that's just the way it's got to be. In terms of Drew Locke's play, 
He was only 18 of 30 for 270 yards and one interception. If you just look at the stats, it's a, it's a meh kind of day. But if you watch the game and you saw the things that he did, there is room there. You saw what he could be capable of. And that's what it's, that's what it's all about at this point for Drew Locke and the Broncos. It's trying to figure out how he can play the game. That's what that's what it's all about. That's what we have been saying. While some have come to the conclusion that that Drew Locke isn't the guy, that he isn't going to be able to do it. Neither one of us has said that. We've been critical when we had to be. He was horrible against the Raiders. It was an absolutely dreadful performance. But he responded. That's what you want to see. And the one thing that I will say is I don't think he is ever going to be a player or a quarterback who's lacking of confidence. That's just the way he is. I think it's the trust in himself to play the game. And I think he's got that now. Was it great? No. But he didn't need to be. That's what you want to be able to do as a football team, where if you're doing something well, you continue to do it. Drew Locke didn't need to be Patrick Mahomes against the Dolphins because of the way the offensive line and the running game was moving so effectively. Don't go away from that. But at the same point, it gives Drew Locke the trust and the belief in himself again that he can do this. He made some great throws. He still had his moments where he had footwork issues and he overthrew his receivers. That's going to happen. But at the same point, you want to see progression. After a couple of weeks where he regressed, he went back up. And that's what you want to see. You don't want to see a steady decline. There's always, with a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback, there's going to be peaks and valleys. You just don't want either of them, especially the valleys, to be too low. I think it's a fair assessment. You know, the other thing I think that we we definitely need to try and do, uh, and we do this just like everybody else does, we need to stop trying to compare Drew Locke to other people. We, we do it with Josh Allen. We do it with Mahomes. We do it with Herbert. We do it with Tua. We do it with Russell. We do it with... We, we want Drew Locke to be all these different quarterbacks because all these different quarterbacks do all these different things really well. But what we have to remember is that Drew Locke's got to be Drew Locke. And I, I'm not saying that Drew Locke needs to suck because that's not what we want. But I, I'm sort of... I'm, I think I'm going to move on from this idea that I need to compare Drew Locke to somebody else. You want to compare Drew Locke to somebody, compare him to Garrett Bowles, right? We talked about that before we started recording. I think that's the comparison that I want to be able to make. I want to be able to look at Drew Locke at the end of this season and see improvement, just like you talked about. And maybe it won't be enough to make him a great quarterback in 2020, but maybe he comes into 2021 and he's 2020 Garrett Bowles. He's the the surprise of the season where he's actually one of the better guys at his position out of nowhere. Because if you had told me a year ago that I'd be singing the praises of Garrett Bowles today, I, I would have, I told you, I told you before, sir, I would have punched you in the face and kept walking. There's no way. There was no way. I didn't believe in Garrett Bowles. I didn't think he had it in him. I, I, I'm happy to eat crow here. And I think that we will all be happy to eat crow on, uh, on this situation if it's Drew Locke come, you know, come 2021. That's, that's who I want him to be. I, I want him to be a guy who improves like that. Who, who sort of gets it all of a sudden. Like it, it, the switch turns on. 
But to sit here and try and say, well, he's not Patrick Mahomes and he's not Justin Herbert, who is the big one right now because, you know, young quarterback doing well in the division. He's not Derek Carr. Stop it with that. Fine. Fine. You know what? Neither am I. Neither are you. Neither is anybody. The only person who's Patrick Mahomes in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) And do I want him to be as good as Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely. Is he going to be? Probably not. Like, sorry, here's, here's your dose of reality. It doesn't mean he can't be good. It just means maybe your expectations are a little too high. I just wanted to be the best Drew Locke. We haven't seen the best Drew Locke. We've seen flashes, and I think that's what you're going to see with a young quarterback as he figures out how to play the position. When you see defenses scheme against you, give you different looks, try to make it as difficult as possible. It's not like he's going against high school defenses here. It's not like he's doing it through a walkthrough or a scrimmage. Brian Flores is a heck of a defensive mind. So if you're just going to stat watch and, and claim that, well, nothing's really changed here. Well, you can't say that if you're going to be critical and call him out for his horrible play when he plays, I won't say that he was unbelievable, but he played well. He he did what he needed to do, and that's what you have to do in the NFL. When you're called upon, you do your job. He didn't need to be anything more than he was on Sunday. And now he can have the ability to go back and look at his play after having struggled for three weeks and see – I did some things well, but there's still areas that I can get even better. And there's still areas that I'm struggling with, but it's all about getting better. And it's the same with this team. It's a young team. I still don't think in the end, as we've said, that the wins or losses matter at this point. They're a middling team. It's going to be that way for a couple of seasons. Maybe 2021 gets better. You have a defense. The defense will be there. And I'm trying to imagine what this defense could look like if you had a healthy Vaughn Miller and a healthy Jarrell Casey. And Shelby Harris on the field. So you have the defense, and you're starting to see the offense piece it together and figure it out. That's what you want. This is still a young offense. Now Pat Shermer has some more evidence of what this offense can look like. And as you start running the ball – Teams are going to have to start game planning for that. And that will open up the passing game for Drew Locke. That will open him open it up for him to start to make those plays. But all that matters is the Broncos got the win. And as I said in my tweet, it's good to see the Broncos respond the way they did against the Dolphins. Denver played a strong game that can help with confidence. Now it's about getting consistent. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. 
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.